Coming up on this episode of Whiskey Wednesday. If you are a veteran and, 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 and you are troubled, I want to tell you that you are loved by millions millions of Americans for the sacrifices that you have made. And whatever troubles you have, first you have our prayers, and secondly, you have our love. So please reach out for help if you are in crisis. And to all of you who want to be a part of protecting our veterans, protecting our lawful citizens, we invite you to be a part of the fight. This program, this effort that you guys are launching is so important. All right, Sam, thanks for joining us on Whiskey Wednesdays. Real simple show. We drink whiskey and we talk to interesting people. You being a sponsor of the Gear and Beer Show, we've been trying to get you on here for a while. So thanks for coming. It's an honor and a pleasure. Now, you brought us the whiskey today. It's a... It's pronounced Calumet. 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 I've been dying to try this. I've heard from many people who've had this up at your house and it's really good. It really is. That up. Music to my ear. A symphony. But the moment that bottle's popped. All right. Well, cheers to you, my friend. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. All right, well, I've known you for a long time. For a lot of people watching this show, for the, for the few that do, hopefully it turns into many. Um, kind of tell them about you. you. You fight for the Second Amendment. You fight for the rights for any average American to maintain and, and have the right to bear arms, but not just in California. You're, you're basically working nationwide, so the floor is yours. Well, um, for those who don't know me, Sam Paredes. I grew up in East LA, moved to Northern California in 1980. And so I don't remember what it's like to have to live anywhere else anymore, really. Uh, this is a, a wonderful place. This is where we, we raised our kids. Uh, we now live in rural El Dorado County, which is about this close to heaven. Uh, and we enjoy the outdoors. Uh, my son-in-law sent me a picture today of this giant fluffy coyote that was walking on our property this morning when i was driving out saw probably a dozen and a half deer most of them bucks believe it or not and a couple of monsters turkeys uh so this is a a beautiful place and 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 it is the balance to what uh, laurie and actually my whole family has has uh, dedicated our lives to and that's to the restoration the protection and the defense of the second amendment so Gun Owners of California started in 1975 when both California and the federal government invented political action committees. Okay. NRA and other groups have been around much longer than ours, but we were the first to establish a political action committee, an organization that was dedicated to fighting to defend the Second Amendment through the political process in the arena. So. Our founder, Senator H.L. Richardson, he was a board member of the National Rifle Association at the time. And that was the first time that a bill had been sponsored in the legislature to ban handguns in California. And what year was that? That was in 1974, 75. Okay. So 
Senator Richardson went to the board members at NRA and said, hey, do you guys care if I start one of these political action committee uh, uh, committees? And they said, sure, go right ahead. As a matter of fact, use the guy we use as our fundraiser, and they helped him out. And in the first year, he had over a million contributions through direct wow. mail. He basically invented, sometimes he asks for forgiveness for this, but he invented um, direct mail for political fundraising. He uh, rented the names of everybody who, who uh, subscribed to Shooting Times and Guns and Ammo and Guns and Handgunner, all of the gun magazines, and, and um, developed a list of people who were interested in the Second Amendment. And then he educated them and let them know, hey, this government is trying to take away your, your guns. Um, it wasn't even an in-depth discussion of the Second Amendment. It was a plain, flat-out explanation that they are literally wanting to take your guns away. So uh, he, from, he was so successful that from 1975, well into the 80s, Gun Owners of California as a political action committee raising money to affect the campaigns of people who supported the Second Amendment, we actually gave more money to candidates to help elect them than the Republican Party did. Wow. So it was, uh, we were the th actually the second party in the state and the Republican Party was the third party yeah. as far as fundraising and being involved in elections. So uh, we defeated Proposition 15 in 1982, which was a uh, proposition to ban handguns. And uh, two weeks out before the campaign, 2020 and 60 Minutes, all the news was saying this thing is going to pass two to one. Well, in two weeks, we were able to change the perspective of the entire state of California and we defeated it two to one, blew everybody's mind. Wow. So what happened there is all of the people that were involved, they decided, hey, we won. So, you know, when we were asking for resources to continue the fight in the elections and in the legislature, we hadn't been so much involved in the courts yet. People said, oh, we won. So they went hunting and fishing. And during the election season, a lot of people didn't, didn't vote because we'd won. You know, we defeated, with, we put them back and... and so the Republicans and conservatives are out there working and having fun anyway, so I don't have time to go to well, the polls. You know, they they what do they do? They uh spend their time with their God, their church, their family, their vocations, whatever they do for work, and usually that comes forth. Third is their avocations, their hobbies, what they enjoy in life, uh and, and then the work that allows them to to uh, support all of these things. Yeah. They're saying like God, family, freedom. Yes, a big. It's, it's been true, forever. Uh, that's just the nature of, of of those people that are on the conservative side. Uh, the other side, on the other hand, um, their church is controlled through government. Their uh, family is anybody connected with the political structure that will help them to achieve their goals of control, not just guns, but everything, every aspect of education and all of our lives, how we, what we eat, what we drink, what we drive, how we drive, how we do everything. Uh, and then their vocation is to be involved in the political process in order to affect change. And their hobbies are going to workshops and seminars to learn to be more effective at achieving that job. That's the difference. Yeah. The, the the conservatives in, uh, weren't, 
they didn't want to be involved in they wanted to be left alone they wanted government away from them they didn't want control they didn't want to control them and they didn't want them to control uh, uh, the conservatives so they kind of stayed away so there was a large period of time when uh, the political action started to slow down and then in 1989 when we had the shooting down at the cleveland elementary school in stockton where um, a guy named purdy a bunch of school kids with an ak he was obviously deranged and that started the craze to ban um, semi-automatic firearms the legislature coined the term they invented the term assault weapon to categorize all of these scary looking guns and they banned a whole bunch of guns by name and so all of the manufacturers said okay we're changing the names and changing the configurations of the guns and selling them and they sold hundreds of thousands if not millions more of those guns in the state of california and uh, over the years we came in contact with a young man he's a police officer he served in union city for a long time and now he's a uh, an officer in, in stockton where he grew up he was one of the kids that was shot by purdy and he said that from the beginning he never blamed the gun he blamed the shooter the criminal and and he would he testified in congress on behalf of gun owners of america uh, saying that he, it isn't the gun it's the person who's using the gun because these people will always be able to get guns always people say yeah well we we're going to ban guns we're going to take them away from people we have 500 million guns in circulation in america right now that translates to over 50 million guns in the state of california are you ever going to take them away you know no and I, I get really tired of that argument of blaming an object, an inanimate object, for committing a heinous crime. And I mean, a police officer can't go in and write his police report and in it say he arrested the gun for committing a crime and he put put the gun in jail. I mean, it's a it's a tool like a carpenter uses a tool, like anybody else uses a hammer on a job site, and to sit there and say that. Oh, this gun killed somebody. The, the gun doesn't work without the intent of the human behind it. What you just said is brilliant because this is the, this is the net effect of that. The government and the policymakers are putting the blame on the gun. The criminal behind the gun here in California, we are arresting them, sentencing them to prison for their violent crimes with guns, and then we're letting them out early. Mm-hmm. And we know that over 50, or between 40 and 50% of all people who are let out of prison are recidivists. They, they're, within three years, they're back in prison for committing another violent crime. At one point in time, will they realize, well, arresting the guns isn't working. We are kind of sort of arresting the people who use the guns, but then we, let them, we put them back out on the street. And we don't understand why they're committing crimes again. They don't want to put the blame on the, on, the, on the people. And that's why here in California, we have a rising violent crime rate. Yeah. And I know we'll get into background checks mm-hmm. in a minute, but currently we have them in effect in California. Mm-hmm. When you go through a background check and you fill out the paperwork on the box, it says, have you ever committed a violent crime? 
you ever committed domestic violence, committed a felony, and been convicted. And if you check that box, yes, you can't buy a gun. But so explain to me how a felon gets out of jail and has a gun. And well, how they're getting arrested. I mean, the moment they make that law, they make it because they're doing it. The reason why we have laws is because somebody did it. Now we need a law for it. Yeah. So Senator Richardson, in his time, 22 years in the state legislature, every year he would go to prisons and he would interview the, the, the convicts, is what they called them back then, the inmates. And he would ask them all the same questions. If I blindfolded you and dropped you in any community in California, how long would it take you to get a gun and ammunition? The average time was 45 minutes. They know where to get them or steal them or buy them on the black market, how, where to find them, and they always avail themselves. Come on, Brian, you're a law enforcement officer. How good a job have we been able to do from uh, at, at preventing illegal drugs or illegal uh, people coming to California or any number of illegal products into the state of California? Have we been able to stop them from doing that? So I have a job because they weren't able to stop it. Well, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that they're not going to be able to stop if, if they were to magically wave a wand and getting rid of all of the guns in the state of California. Guns would still be brought in by the criminals and they would have uh, easy prey because the victims would be unarmed. Yeah. And so it, it is a, you have to turn on your brain when you start thinking about this. Um, and, and you have to come to some real honest conclusions that, okay, 50 million guns in a state that has maybe, you know, 39 million, 38 people, million people, that's more than one gun per person. Um, we're never really going to get rid of them, especially because probably more than half of them are not registered and they are still legal mm -hmm. because they were owned prior to the registration uh, implementation of registration programs. They were at a, a given or uh, purchased at a time when private party transfers did not have to occur. And there are millions upon millions of guns in the state of California that are not registered. And across the nation. Yeah, uh, that's true. Billions are, I, mean, I don't know, what do they say on average, like, I think America, and America has got, for every 100,000 people, there's like 120,000 guns, something like yeah, that. I think yeah. that's a statistic. Yeah, and and a very significant portion of those are what we call AR-style or AR-platform rifles or AK-platform rifles. Um, you know, everybody says, you know, well, AR stands for, you know, assault rifle, because that's what... The legislature said, well, the legislature invented that word. We actually did a study to see if the term assault weapon had ever appeared in the lexicon of military and firearms since the beginning of time. It never appeared. The Germans were the first to use the term assault rifle, and they defined it as a gun that was selective fire, semi-automatic or full automatic. That was an assault rifle. None of the other guns and most of the guns that they used in World War II to kill millions of people were not assault rifles or, or even assault weapons by any definition. They were bolt action rifles. Yeah. Many of which have been converted into hunting rifles and competition rifles nowadays. Everybody says, oh, that's a bolt action, that's okay. Well, that's the gun that was used by uh, our enemies the, and during World War II, the Japanese and the yeah. and, and, and the Germans to, to to kill a, a lot of people. So 
trying to demonize a certain class or category of guns just doesn't make sense. All of the studies that are cited and conducted by the anti-gun community are what are called epidemiological in nature. Those types of studies are the weakest form of science, and any honest scientist will tell you that's the fact, because these studies can show a correlation or maybe even association, but they cannot prove causation. So okay. the fact that the guns are out there, they cannot prove that, that because the guns are out there, you know, there's an increase in, in, in crime. So they use these studies as factual, and they are not factual. So Because they can't prove what the crime level would be if we never had firearms, if it was just knives and swords. It could be the same. Well, <laughs> leave it to knives and, 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 and fists, and you have more homicides committed with knives and fists than you do guns. You know, and we demonize, you know, the legislature here hates assault weapons, semi-automatic shoulder-fired uh, uh, rifles uh, or shotguns or handguns with threaded barrels and, and stuff like this. Uh, when, in fact, the reports that are generated by the government to show which guns are used in the commission of crime, the smallest category are semi-automatic long guns of any kind. I mean, we're talking in the 1% to 2%. Wow. The rest I didn't are, even realize it was that. Yeah, it is that small. Well, most of the times when you find a, a criminal out there, they're carrying a handgun. Oh, yeah. Revolver or some out of that. They don't want a rifle. Or, or, or yeah. Who's going to hide a, you know, you see some guy walking around in a trench coat walking stiff leg. Well, I might question that guy but, yeah. uh, or a gal, whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is that they are actually rarely used in the commission of a crime. But that is where all of the focus by the anti-gunners is because they can demonize that and create a picture for the general gullible public to say, oh, we don't, we don't want those. You know, they keep, you know, the, the, it's like that Schwarzenegger movie, uh, True Lies, where you watched a, a, a Mac-10 rolling down the stairs, shooting all the way, all by itself, <laughs> killing all of the bad guys. You know, that's fantasy. That's movies. That isn't reality. That doesn't happen. Uh, and if you want to take into account the AK-47 and the, the, and the AR-style platform rifles, the ammunition that they use, the 762 by 39 and the uh, 223 or 5.56, they are actually some of the lowest power rounds in the entire spectrum oh, yeah. of long guns. They, they are. Yeah. I mean, and that's what the Geneva Convention wants, you know, when, when they're talking about military guns, because they want armies to use the least lethal weapons they can possibly use as far as personal firearms. So they, they, they make sure that you use hardball ammunition, they make sure that, that you use these, these relatively low-powered uh, uh, guns. And, but but that's, that's, that's beside the point. The, the fact of the matter is the people that are pushing for gun control um, are right now in the middle of what I call their death throes they know that their issue is going to die. And that is because we have been working as well as the elections and in the legislatures across the country in Washington, D.C., we've also been working in the courts. Well, before we get into that, so if we back up a little bit. Yep. Um, so early to mid-70s, mm -hmm. 
Senator Herschel Walker? Richardson. Richardson. H.L. Richardson. H.L. Way off. Um, asked to make this group uh, part of the NRA and wants to basically establish gun owners of California. Mm -hmm. Already right in that realm, we start seeing them try to ban guns. So we've been fighting it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Then we roll into... Um, 89 with the school shooting in Stockton mm -hmm. um, and we have another fight to fight because somebody made a horrible decision where many people suffered and died from using something that a lot of people just use recreationally mm -hmm. for hunting for fun or just want to have because it's their right um, what point do you come on scene into gun owners of California well I came on board in 1980 prior to to the passage of the um, Assault Weapons Control Act okay. and the, the, the roster of safe, uh, you know, approved handguns and the ammunition registration laws. We were fighting because we were watching the anti-gunners. Every single year they would, they would sponsor one or two bills and they say, if we get this, we will solve the, the crime problem with guns in the state of California. And the legislature would narrowly pass, continue to pass these bills. And the next year they would come back we got that, but if we get these bills, mm -hmm. it will end gun crime. So we saw that they were incrementally moving forward. They they went into the realm of, of even affecting what guns you can use when you're hunting or the ammunition that you can, why? Because in their minds, they're thinking, if we can control or limit them to certain guns, some people will no longer want to hunt. Therefore, they won't be buying guns anymore. That is the far-thinking perspective that they have. I will have to say, from the outside looking in, the tactics of the anti-gun community have been very, very good. It's a slow game, but, I mean, watching the, how they slowly pick it apart has been um, brutal to watch with the success. And, and, I mean, even now, it's you hear on the news today, it's, well, you don't need that to hunt with. They're painting this picture in everybody's mind that the Second Amendment was written for hunters. And if you actually open the Constitution or, or own the Bill of Rights or just Google it, you'll see that hunting's not even listed in the Second mm -hmm. Amendment. Mm -hmm. But they've fabricated this whole idea and have just placed it in so many people's heads that, oh, guns were just created for hunting, so why would you need it for anything else? You should be fine with your bolt action or your... Um, Shoot like repeat a rifle that'll only hold eight rounds or something mm -hmm. and there's no need for an assault rifle or what they call assault rifle which you and I both know that AR didn't stand for assault rifle until Armalite rifle yep, the company that made it and maybe that's the patent number I can't remember and then assault rifle came up and they just blanketed it to make everybody who's never had a gun or, or, or doesn't do any research about guns believe that that actually stands for assault rifle it's called brainwashing. Yeah. It's called marketing on their part. And frankly, the tactic that they are using has been written down step by step for a very long time. Lenin talked about how it is to, uh, how you go about controlling and changing the minds of the masses. All they're doing is using this playbook. So Senator Richardson was a student of that and saw what they were doing. So he said, we have to build gun owners of California and then in 1975, right after he started Gun Owners of California, he started Gun Owners of America to handle the 49 other states and Washington, D.C. Mm. Why? Because California being California, we have unique laws that are different 
uh, and and having a federal organization running the state organization, there were all kinds of problems with that. So he started two groups, and and GOA since the beginning we have always been no compromise. There is no compromise. We will accept nothing. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And now the Supreme Court has come forward and given definition to that. It is an individual right, not a right for states to have national guards or state militias or anything like that. It is an individual right, especially because our our, our federal government laws say that you and I and every able-bodied person is a member of the militia. And if called upon to defend this country, they are expected to go into their closet and get their guns yeah. and their ammunitions and stand shoulder to shoulder with the with the standing army uh, and with the same types of arms. That was the whole mentality, and that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. So, uh, and and you know, shall not be infringed. What do people not understand about that? So we had. The, the, the most important court rulings were Heller versus Washington, D.C., where the Supreme Court for the first time uh, established that it is an individual right. You, you have an inherent God-given right that preexisted the Constitution, and the Second Amendment only protects that right that always existed. And so um, Heller versus D.C. said that it is unconstitutional for the federal government to require people to keep their guns at home locked up. They have the right to defend themselves in their own castle. That means having the ability to immediately access a firearm that is ready to go for ready defense of their homes. So all of this, don't get me wrong, I am not uh, an opponent of safe storage, but that is a responsibility and an educational thing that we want to share with people and 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 have them understand this responsibility on on if you have kids if you have people in the household who should not have access to guns how to deal with that yeah the government comes up with a cookie cookie cutter solution that that applies to no one yeah. really does nothing good but it's unconstitutional so heller established individual right to keep in arms and you cannot uh, force people to keep their guns locked up in their own homes and the limitation on Heller was that that applied to federal enclaves, any place like Washington, D.C., or, or um, any place that, that was a part of the federal government. So two years later, in McDonald versus Young uh, in Chicago, there was a lawsuit, and the Supreme Court took the case up and said, okay, not only is this law so important for the protection of the Second Amendment and the rights of all people, we are incorporating this law under the 14th Amendment to apply to all governments and all, whether states or local governments, you too cannot infringe on the inherent God-given constitutional rights of people. Super important. So now yeah. a lot of governments said, wow, we're going to come up with all kinds of, of storage laws and all kinds of laws. And the Supreme Court has been very careful about which cases they they take on. That's what, and they should be. Uh, going back to when you said uh, the education, like in the safe storage, and how it should be up to the individual, up to the family. Uh, it's funny. I'm just kind of going off topic, but just watching the news the other day, they're talking about how they should or are going to implement 
uh, education on drugs, drug issues, drug overdoses, how to, if you see one happening, kind of how to handle it, uh, how to use uh, Narcan if needed if somebody's on a fentanyl overdose because we're having a huge fentanyl issue um, just kind of across the board. And it's I just laughed when I watched it because I'm sitting here, you're so concerned with people purchasing drugs that they put inside their own bodies. And then if they potentially die or, or start to die, you want to train people or have them just have a basic understanding. If they see it, they can address it. But if you have such a concern with guns being a problem, why don't we put gun education back in? And I'm not saying like we need to teach kids how to shoot, but if you see a gun, know how to make it safe. We, Pull the magazine out. Yeah, rack we, the side to the rear. Whatever needs to do to make it to where that gun can't fire. Because I've met so many people that they see a gun and they're like, I don't even want to touch it. Can you render it safe? Or they don't even know what that is, rendering it safe. Like, I, I think it's going to shoot. Yeah. I could take all the ammo apart. I could, if it's an AR, I could take it apart, pull everything and separate everything, and it'll still be like, I don't want to touch it because it's going to shoot. We actually do want to teach children. I agree. We, we have sponsored programs, the National Rifle Association, through their Eddie Eagle program, which is probably the most important safety program for kids ever developed. We have tried to get it implemented in schools. They want nothing to... This government wants to pass requirement required safety laws, but they don't want to allow anybody to train people, and they're not, they're not going to train people of course what not. those laws are and how to be responsible. But, Brian, think about this. 500 million guns in private possession. The number of accidents that actually happen that cause a death due to a real handling problem or or a you know um improper use of a firearm improper storage or or uh improper care mm -hmm. or uh, is really low oh yeah it's the really low. Are so what that, what that tells us is that most americans are taking the responsibility to figure out how to be safe somehow they are finding some level of understanding as to what they need to do to keep their guns safe in their homes. Without their cars, the government's help? Without the government's blows help. Blows my mind. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really, truly amazing. So we have advocated uh, teaching uh, gun safety in schools. Um, the government wants nothing to do with it. They, they have dug their heels in. And this is part of the, um, like I said earlier, they, are, they understand that they are about to be run over by a D11 bulldozer. Yeah. And they cannot do anything to stop it because since Heller and McDonald, we had another lawsuit, Caetano versus Massachusetts, that said that not only guns, but any object that Americans commonly use for lawful purposes to defend themselves is covered by the Second Amendment. In this case, mm -hmm. it was. Uh, tasers. Okay. It was tasers. And the Supreme Court ruled that, hey, there are 200,000 tasers in America. That is common use. There are 500 million guns in, in uh, the hands of Americans. That is common use. Is there a historical analog to the law that you are proposing right now going back to 1791? If there is, then you have a chance of making an argument that this law is constitutional. If there isn't, it is by definition unconstitutional. And that's where we are right now. And that's why the legislature is is 
apoplectic because they know that very soon the California Assault Weapons Control Act, the large capacity magazine ban, the ammunition registration laws, the roster of approved handguns for sale in the state of California, 10-day waiting periods, concealed carry weapons permit system as it exists in California. Um, all of these laws are going to be declared unconstitutional. So they're trying to figure out how to get the long way around the barn to try to either wait us out by taking it, making us go to court. Um, and we are winning across the country. We now have three victories on concealed carry weapons permits in, in New Jersey. We have multiple victories in New York. We have a victory in Oregon. We have victories in Colorado. We have victories in Texas. Hey, Sam, before we dive into all the stuff governors of California is doing across America and the fights and the battles you've been winning in court, why don't we open this second bottle of whiskey you brought for us and, and go ahead and tell me the, this new bottle you brought us. Okay, first we started with the Calumet Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, which is at uh, um, 45 ABV which is a super smooth and wonderful. Now we're gonna to go to the other end of the spectrum. This is a Port Charlotte by Brulati, one of my favorite distilleries in Scotland. It's a 10 year old, heavily peated. That means you're gonna feel and taste and smell peat and smoke. And it's like eating joyfully a campfire, you know, <laughs> after you pour some water and you pick up one of these one of these oh, logs and just took a bite out of it. So you get charcoal and just a beautiful sense of, of uh, what a full body scotch. Um, yeah. Islas are my favorites and and this is one of my favorites. And But if you ask me, you know, which one it, it, it is my favorite, I'd say, well, you know, I love my daughters and my son all equally the same. And I, I, I love a lot of these, but um, you know, to, the other end of the spectrum. Scotch from Scotland, the Port Charlotte by Bruglotti, uh, 10 year old. Can't wait. Heavily beaded. Yeah, this is definitely one you want by a campfire. Do you taste like ham? Yeah. Roasted turkey. Oh yeah. Maybe some red meat some charcoal mm -hmm. oh yeah oh. like i'm sitting right at the charcoal grill yeah just yeah. grilling up everything i just hunted with yeah and yeah. it took flick it i flicking mean the elk steaks right there this this first bottle was amazing and you're telling me that this is their like almost like low end bottom this of the, the barrel basic. and i would buy this so if you ever get the next bottle just call me i'll come over to definitely try done it. this is on my list and I'd say if you don't drink whiskey, definitely try this. This is, if you already like, you know, sippers of whiskey and scotch and stuff, this is it's, definitely something to put on the list. Maybe not to start with, but no, ease your way in. I can see easing in with this. It's delicious. It's not hard, but this yeah, there is are the there season. are several several Isla uh, whiskeys that are more entry level. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful uh, and unique and flavors and sensations, the people who, who, if, if you like the, the bourbons that have got a lot of character and even maybe a little bit of burn and a little bit of the, the, the long finish, yeah. some of these Isla Scotches are, you know, we'll, we're going to drink this 
and by the time I get home in a couple of hours, I'm still going to be tasting the finish on it. Oh, it's yeah. just so just amazing. So amazing. All right, so you, you rattled off real quick a bunch of fights and a bunch of victories you've had. Um, do you kind of mind going over, like, why Cal- Gunners of California is getting involved in these other states, mm-hmm. the victories they want, and kind of what that means not just for California, but what it's going to look like for the nation, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why you and your team are getting so heavily involved in states like New York, out of New Jersey, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Texas, wherever this stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the reasons that we invite our people. We try to educate them and let them know that when we ask them for resources, financial resources to get involved in the courts, we tell them right off the bat, sometimes a lot of these resources are not going to be spent in California yet. We're going to invest in lawsuits that help to build the building blocks so that we get these issues before the Supreme Court and the story's done. So uh, that's why we are involved in, in multiple lawsuits in New Jersey, in New York. As a matter of fact, we are a part of the, uh, the main lawsuit that's moving forward in New York to uh, uh, unravel the Concealed Weapons Permit Improvement Act of New York. Okay. Um, and, so and we're getting some significant victories. So that's the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, a ruling from the Second Circuit only applies within the Second Circuit, but judges from all the other circuits read mm-hmm. the, the decisions, the rationale when they make other decisions. And when they have multiple appellate court districts that differentiate from each other, they have a, a, a dispute they're on opposite sides. The first job of the Supreme Court is to resolve disputes between appellate courts. So that's why we are involved because um, we want these cases to to gravitate to the point to where they're 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 going to be considered by the Supreme Court. Yeah. Super super important. That way, it totally affects California. The Bruin decision already affects California. The the California Attorney General sent out a notice to all. Um, uh, CCW uh, issuers and let them know that because of the Bruin decision, we have to take out the um, subjective aspects of how we issue permits. So we're going to shift over to something called good moral character, but that's a subjective evaluation. Or, you know, we need to have all of the, 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 for three years of your last social media posts, so that we can evaluate. And then you have to give us a multiple character witnesses that we can interview. And what they're doing is setting up a subjective ability for the issuers to decide based on these interviews, based on, on the input that they get to decide whether they want to bless you with a concealed weapons. Bless permit. you with your right. Yeah, with your right. All unconstitutional. Yeah. And they are running scared because they know they are on, on thin ice. So we have... Um, they've called gun owners California. We are the amicus wranglers. We might not be the, 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 the lead organization in filing lawsuits in Illinois, New York, and New Jersey, but we provide friend of the court briefs that add body to the lawsuit because people don't understand when you file a lawsuit, the courts limit the number of words that you, that you include in, yeah. in a lawsuit 
the subject matter. Um, and what we have the ability to do is to amplify different perspectives that the court has to consider. They have yeah. to read the briefs. Um, and in doing so, we influence which way the courts go. And people say, well, you know, that, how do you know it works? Well, we know it works because on two separate occasions, Supreme Court justices quoted our briefs. Mm. So we know they're reading them yeah. and they're, they're having an impact. Um, and it all affects what's happening and going to happen here in the state of California. As I mentioned before, we are on the verge, thanks to Judge Roger T. Benitez of the Southern District Federal Court in San Diego, who is is the one who had the decisions on assault weapons, on large capacity magazines, and on 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 the ammunition registration. And the Billy Club issue has been tossed in there. Remember we talked about uh, tasers? Yes. Well, Billy Clubs are something that lawful citizens who don't want to use a gun to defend themselves and want to use a baton or a Billy Club to protect themselves, that is actually a protected under the Second Amendment uh, uh, type of a weapon. What's crazy, uh, just a little side note on that Billy Club, is when you go to baseball games, you mm -hmm. know how you can buy those little bats? A lot of people don't know that the moment you buy that, that's and if that's ever used in a fight, that's classified as a Billy Club. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so whether it's a righteous use of it or yep. not, you know, okay. you, you successfully defended yourself from a criminal, but you used an illegal yep. weapon, so you're, you're guilty of a, a The moment you buy one, it's technically a billy club, and you can't, unless you're in law enforcement, you can't possess one. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So why? Because we look at the defense and the protection of the Second Amendment, the restoration of the Second Amendment, as it should be plain and simple right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That requires us to be involved in cases that are outside of California that will influence California ultimately, uh, but elevate that issue nationwide. Yeah. So that's why... And not only that, I mean, if I was a guy sitting in Nebraska or Arkansas or a, a heavily red state where I, I wouldn't worry about that, the moment somebody wants to introduce that type of legislation, I would want my state to reach out to California, who's been fighting these things for years, who's got all the experience, to say, hey, we need assistance on this. So I wouldn't mind sending a donation to Gunners of California, knowing that they're, at the moment you get the phone call, you're going to say, oh, of course, we've been doing that forever. We know how, exactly how to fight that. That is, excuse me, so spot on because... In my position as executive director of Gun Owners of California, I get to see all of the online contributions that are made and and, and those that, that come in the mail. But mostly the online has shown me that people from all over the country are becoming members of Gun Owners of California because they see that we have their back. Yeah, We have their back in Texas. We have their back in New Jersey and New York and Illinois and Colorado and Oregon and People who have never resided in California are supporting gun owners of California because Good. of the work that we're doing. That's pretty exciting yeah. to us. You know, that, 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 that shows us that we're doing. And you're needed. You, you, you've been doing it for so long. It's why try to reinvent the wheel when we can go get assistance for somebody who's already been there. Yeah, we have um, on our team 
some of the best, most respected constitutional attorneys in the country. Attorneys who have been quoted by the Supreme Court in their decisions, many of which have nothing to do with guns, but they, they know that a brief submitted by this attorney has stature before the Supreme Court, and these are the attorneys that we are using. And people would say, well, I don't know who to support. We've got FPC, NRA, as Second Amendment Foundation, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, uh, uh, Gun Owners of California, Gun Owners of America. Who do we support? We say support the group that is doing the job that you want to have done. That's what we say. Yeah. Be involved. If you support Fires uh, um, uh, Policy Coalition, and they have had some major victories, including today in New Jersey. Um, God bless you. You are off the couch and involved and a partner in the fight to restore and protect the Second Amendment. If you are a donor to Gun Owners of California and we team up with the Second Amendment Law Center or the California Rifle and Pistol Association with their attorneys, Chuck Michelle and associates who are running that whole operation, and we are gaining victories, hey, you're part of the team. So, um, you know, a lot of people don't say, what can I do? But, you know, how can I volunteer? Well, first of all, be a member. And the, the cost of being a member of Gun Owners California or, or any other organization is really, it's less than the cost of a, a pizza dinner, at, you know, for, for the family. Yeah. Be a member. That gets you in the process first. That provides some of the resources that we need to do. And then pay attention. Listen to, to the information that, that the GOC is putting out and GOA is putting out and, 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 and all of us who are involved in, in the restoration of the Second Amendment, pay attention. And then when you hear something that you want to be involved in, send a contribution because your $25 or $35 contribution is added to the people who can contribute $500 and $1,000 and that allows us to pay for the our legal bills, our mm -hmm. attorneys who are, are carrying the fight. And I always say that, I joke that, you know, we we take our attorneys and we make sure that their doors are locked in their homes if they're working from home or in their offices. And we, we have pizza and beer delivered to them by <laughs> whatever service wants to do that so that they can stay involved in, in yeah. writing the lawsuits and the cases that, that we need to be involved in. And I, I'd, I'd argue, even if you're on the fence about if, if you agree or don't agree with the Second Amendment, because you may like or not like guns, you may have whatever belief you stand on. If you're on the fence, I would tell that person it's worth it investing a little bit of money into an organization like Gun Owners of America or California, because if they, take, if they figure out how to take away one of our rights, they're going to figure out how to take away the rest. That's brilliant. That's so your money's not just helping. It's not just fighting for the Second Amendment. You're literally fighting for all of the rights of Americans. Brian, you are expanding the minds of your listeners and watchers. Oh, it goes from small lens to big lens real yeah. quick. Yeah. You know, what would you think if, if the government required you to get insurance and pay a fee and a background check before you went into your friend's group and started talking about the Second Amendment or whatever political issue. Well, a reporter. 
try to fight free speech. Yeah. So that is an enumerated right. We have the right of, of, of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of association. All of those rights are encompassed in the First Amendment. And the Second Amendment is what gives the citizens, the we the people, mm -hmm. the ability to say, we are defending all of our rights. Yeah, it's, it's gun owners of California or gun owners of America, but it should almost just be rights of America and rights of California. Because yeah. you're focused on one because it's the one they're attacking right now, but if it switches, I mean, then, then we'll have yeah. a switch. Yeah. Can you, can you go over um, some of these victories that, are, that have either come or are about to come to, sure. to kind of get people excited about what Let's gun start, owners is doing? Start in New York. Gun Owners of America, Gun Owners Foundation, Gun Owners of California. We were the ones who filed the lawsuit in New York that has moved forward the fastest and, and, and with the most impact. We got a restraining order against the implementation of the, the CCW Improvement Act of New York that limited, they said, yeah, you can get a concealed weapons permit, but there's no place in the state of New York that you can carry it mm -hmm. because all schools, all restaurants, all privately owned properties, all state-owned um, property, all, you know, they, they, you can't carry in any of these places. So we are the tip of the spear there. Um, we were the first ones to file. At first, the court said, oh, you don't have standing. An organization doesn't have standing in New York. So we would turn around and got six individual people from New York and immediately responded. And the court said, now you have standing. And the judge said, when, we, when he said that we didn't have standing, if you had standing, we would have declared the entire law unconstitutional. So when we got standing, he declared the whole law unconstitutional. And then uh, uh, another judge, that was Judge And that's Sudeby, in New York. I mean, they're, New York. they're just as, as gun-hating as the, the, the laws that they're proposed. California. The laws that they proposed are a mirror to of here. what the laws that have been proposed in California. Yeah. So and, that's and, a huge victory. Yeah. New Jersey, today, um, we now have three lawsuits that have prevented them from passing their assault weapons control and large mag capacity magazine and concealed weapons carry laws. Um, they are now, the temporary restraining orders have been issued, so the law cannot be applied in, in, in New Jersey. In Illinois, they recently um, flipped the middle finger to the Supreme Court and said, we're going to pass all the gun control laws we want. And I'll tell you a story about California right after this. We were involved in lawsuits there. Filed a lawsuit. Court said, no, you can't do that. So what we are fighting in California, yeah. we have the chairman of the Assembly Public Safety Committee, the guy who is the czar over looking at all gun control laws. I was testifying in committee and said this law is plainly unconstitutional, and I explained why. In the two minutes that they give us to testify, I explained why. And in his closing statements, he said, well, you know what? Um, here in California, we don't pay attention to the Constitution because we're California. We do what we want. Oh, my gosh. So the guy verbally uh, defied his oath of office. Kind say of like that it, states hate us. Yeah, yeah. 
he, he, he swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States from enemies foreign and domestic and to support the Constitution of California. He openly said, nah, maybe not. I'm not going to do that because we're California. We yeah. do things. So we are... This year is going to be a interesting fight in the state of California. They, they're tomorrow. They're going to have a press conference and announce ten new bills um, to add to the twenty-nine bills that have already been introduced um, to add more gun control laws. And every single one of them is unconstitutional because they have no. Remember the litmus test that the Supreme Court said. Mm-hmm. If a law does not have a historical analog to 1791, it is by definition unconstitutional. So um, to your listeners, to to all of the supporters of gun owners of California, we need your help because we're going to be in court to overturn all of the gobbledygook that, that California is about ready to, to pass through the legislative yeah. process and send to the governor's desk who's already committed to signing all of these laws. And nothing will make me happier and, to defeat them. And you and I talked, and it's it's funny the way kind of things are playing out. I mean, we just came out of COVID not that long ago, mm-hmm. and everybody's working from home. We saw on the news people just burglarizing homes, businesses, houses, and people who didn't typically own a firearm went to buy a firearm in California and realized there's a 10-day waiting period, and it blew their minds. Yeah. And I know you said you're out there, you're fighting the 10-day waiting period, and it uh, looks like you guys are going to win that. You're fighting background checks. You're fighting background checks on ammunition. You're fighting the assault weapons ban that they're doing, fighting all these things unconstitutional. And is it within this year we should have answers? Is it is it within the next five years? We are going to be gaining victories in the next several years. This year, we're going to gain some amazing, significant victories. I'm, I'm very sure, you know, the antis are going to go to the ninth, for rescue. Mm-hmm. The Ninth's hands have been tied to a great extent because they voted anti-gun on multiple lawsuits and then we challenged them to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, we're vacating your rulings and we're sending these cases back to you to decide under these new guidelines, text, history, and tradition of the meaning of the words of the Second Amendment. If there is no historical analog to 1791, it is by definition unconstitutional. Wow, that's so a big deal. We're we're super. I mean, the 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 hair is standing up on my arms because I'm so excited. Yeah. About this year, I am. Oh, we stand on the precipice of restoring freedom. Remember, we are for the 3.5 mm-hmm. million people, and it's a different 3.5 million people every single year who use guns to successfully become survivors. They've defended themselves against a crime that could have caused them death or great bodily harm. And and that doesn't mean that they've pulled the trigger every time, but just the presentation of a firearm or the racking of a shotgun or the moment that, uh, you know, the, the person who's was the suspect is now the one running away because the victim was not in that victim mentality. Exactly right. I did an interview with the New York Times and the LA Times yesterday and uh, and with a, a radio station in Southern California and they, 
they thought they were going to get me. They said, well, you know, you, you guys, you, you, you want everybody to carry guns, but, you know, nobody ever really uses them to defend themselves, sort of a, a vibe that they were giving. So at the end of the interview, they said, Sam, do you carry a gun? And I paused. And I, I, I thought about how I should answer. And I said, I am a concealed carry weapons permit instructor in the state of California, and I exercise my Second Amendment rights. Then they said, okay, have you ever had to use a gun to defend yourself? And I said, yes, three times. Once in a bank robbery where I am very happy that I had a gun. No one was injured. Mm -hmm. Secondly, in a road rage situation where a couple of people took a chainsaw and were about ready to murder the people in the car behind them because they were in a bumper thumper. Had they cut through the A pillar, there would have been a severe oh, yeah. deadly consequence that I would have injected. And in a home invasion in my own home, where somebody broke into my home and walked into my daughter's bedroom. A person that had much more strength than I did. They were high on drugs and medication and alcohol. I had a gun and I believe in my heart that because I had a gun, I was able to protect my family. Thank God I did not have to shoot people in either of these cases, but did I need a gun? Did I have a gun in these in these situations? Did it play a role in the successful saving of lives? Absolutely. They said, thank you very much. Let's go on now. KNX is going to go to the other stories. They breezed by that last because one. Because they got shut down. Yeah. They thought I was going to say, no, I've never used to, had to use them, but I'm not prepared to do so. I, I mean, just the, the, the questions that come up off the home invasion, I mean, they don't want to ask them. Home is where you should feel the safest. And if they're in your daughter's room, now your daughter doesn't feel safe. The impact that could have on her, the impact that it has on you being dad, protector of the house, now has to take it to the level to show that, yes, daughter, this is still a, a safe space, and I'm going to make sure it stays safe because that person should never be in your house. My daughter and my wife know that... Um, it was important that I had my Smython, Python barrel <laughs> yeah, on a Smith & Wesson good. frame, 357 Magnum with very effective rounds that I was prepared to use, but I was effectively able to de-escalate the situation and get this perpetrator out of my home. The police, God bless them, arrived in three minutes in force and were able to talk some sense into this perpetrator. Um, so, um, you know, there are a lot of people who have used guns, 3.5 million yeah. people. And I'm a huge proponent of the Second Amendment, but I don't think everybody, sh that I, just because I am, I don't believe everybody should carry a gun every day because I think it's a big responsibility. And even in the instances that you brought up, I, you kind of have to be mentally ready to, if you carry it, you got to be ready to use it. And if you're not there, then don't carry it. And, but just because you're not there doesn't mean that, you know, the guy behind you in line isn't there. He, he may as well be there. Mm -hmm. And the people in, 
who were victims in that vehicle or inside the bank may not have been ready, but you were ready. And I guarantee you they were thankful that you were there and you were ready because if you weren't there and that wasn't an option, things would have been very different. Very different. You just hit the nail on the head here. That's why they call it a right. You have the right Mm -hmm. to exercise that gift, not a privilege, a right that you have to use firearms or any tool that is in common use for lawful purposes throughout America to defend yourself. If you choose not to exercise that right, you are as much an American, as much a patriot, as much a lawful citizen as any other. Hopefully you will consider some means of protection. Oftentimes we we, we read stories about people who have made that decision and they knew that their neighbor was a gun owner and somebody's breaking down their door or breaking down their windows. What's the first thing they do? First, they call their neighbor who knows they have guns. Then they call the police. Yeah. So, um, or husband know. calls neighbor, wife calls police because you know the police are four minutes, if not yeah. longer, away. Yeah. When you need the them now, they're right four there. minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 even the 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 laws of the country say that law enforcement, as much as I love everybody who has dedicated their life to saving lawful citizens, whether it's through law enforcement in dealing with the bad element in society or firefighters or first responders, I have a huge level of respect for them. Yeah. But you guys are way too heavy for me to put in my back pocket and have with me every time I need you, whenever I need you. We're not always there. Yeah. I mean, we'll be there, but not immediately. Yeah. And one thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is we mentioned off camera uh, I can hear people saying, but what about the suicides, the gun suicides and all that stuff? And you and I were talking about how gun owners does really good, not just studies, but it's it's like you guys are putting out information to members of gun owners, to the public, to people who are feeling this issue of maybe suicide's the answer and, and giving them help, alternative ways um, not to harm themselves, but alternative ways to help get their mindset back to, you know, that's not the answer. We have help for you and, and, and we can get you there in a healthy way. Uh, can, you, can you kind of touch on that a sure. little bit? Thank you for, for remembering to bring this up because people have to understand that close to 60% of all deaths with guns are suicides. That's not a criminal act. That isn't a perpetrator who is committing a crime against another person that Mm -hmm. ends up in a homicide. This is a self-inflicted situation. Um, Um, And to pass laws like the legislature tries to do that says this is going to prevent suicides and homicides and all that, that's just not true. You are talking about two different conditions in people. The legislature does not want to consider the conditions of people. Their solutions are to go after the guns. So the number one organization across the country helping um, gun range owners, gun store owners, um, anybody involved in the, in, in the gun industry in any way, shape, or form is the National Shooting Sports Foundation. 
the organization that represents the firearms industry in total in this in in the country they have probably the most important suicide prevention and identi identification program of anybody so they actively without being asked for communicate with everybody involved in in the in the shooting industry to help people identify people who are potential suicide uh, victims um, how how to tell what are the telltale signs what you can do to intervene whether it's a gun range operator or a gun store operator or, or a trainer uh, an instructor they have a, a program to help with this social mental issue yeah and the the government they don't touch that with a 10-foot pole. No. They do nothing to address this issue. What they do is they fund organizations that raise money and spend high salaries for the people that are running these organizations ostensibly to address the issue of suicide. Yeah. And suicide to them is jumping off the San Francisco Bay Bridge. Mm -hmm. What is the solution? We're going to put fences and nets so that people can't jump off the bridge. We're going to... It's not dealing with the human element. It's yeah. not considering what is it that brings people to the verge of suicide? What is it that brings the people to to the decision that they want to do something so illegal with firearms? Is it bullying? Is it domestic violence? Is it workplace violence? Is it is it management skills of people that, that, that get their employees... Um, upset. I mean, one of the organizations that has done more to address this issue is the United States Post Office. You know, yeah. we, we hear the term, oh, he's going postal. That, yeah. that, that is a reference to many cases where postal employees have come back to the, the uh -huh. workplace and shot somebody. Well, they have taken that seriously, and they've looked at workplace issues that might affect that in a positive way. And, and we need to be doing that across the board. And you know what? We don't need the government to help us do that. We need them to get out of the way. Yeah. So these two organizations that you mentioned, um, are they things that uh, family and friends can just go on and look at to find the resources to help in case if they have a family member or a friend who they're concerned about? Um, are there ways for them to donate to them. Uh, I, I feel like even if I don't like guns, if I had a friend who was in this space where I was concerned, I would want to at least contribute to keep this thing active so they're continuing to do research. But that being said, do they have the means to just go on and find the resources to look for these triggers, these um, things going on in their lives where they can recognize signs to be like, hey, hey maybe we, we talk real quick and maybe I help like get the words or understand how to t ask somebody or guide somebody who maybe you need the resource to sit down and talk with a counselor or a trained therapist to work through your problems versus do the thing that's going to impact ripple effect everybody around them. Anybody and everybody. First of all, the National Shooting Sports Foundation is funded by the industry. They're the ones who provide the financial resources to develop these programs and to spread them out to anybody who wants to gain access. So gun owners are supporting them, even if you're not a gun owner, you can get resources. 100%. NSSF has the Child Safe program. If you 
feel that in your home situation you need trigger locks to 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 safely store your guns because you have you know you, we know kids they mm-hmm. they get into everything there's nothing you can keep kids the secret from um they have a child safe program that will provide trigger locks to anybody who has that issue across the board the 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 suicide program that they have in place is available to anybody who goes on their website and ssf.org and and can look at their 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 suicide program and learn and get materials that they need to learn about the telltale signs and 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 programs and options that are available to them to be able to deal with these situations you know there's there's a lot of stuff that we need financial resources for to restore the second amendment restore the rights of lawful citizens in a no compromise situation we need help for lobbying in the legislature working in elections and um uh, working in the courts there's no question about it we need we can't do it ourselves we don't get like the other side they get from michael bloomberg they get a a million dollar donation every year Uh to, to or else they would go bankrupt the Brady folks, the Giffords folks, the Moms Demand Action, um, you know, uh, all of these groups, they are supported by billionaires. We are supported by people who contribute 25 or $35 a year to protect their rights. Yeah. And, and the NSSF, thankfully, they're supported by the industry who looks upon it as their civic responsibility to support programs like child safe and suicide prevention. And those programs are available to anybody who wants them. So we work, we're not on island. We may be the tip of the spear on many things, but I'm here to tell you that we have made progress because we are partnering with all of the other organizations that are out there in the arena. We partner very directly with the California Rifle and Pistol Association here in California, with the Second Amendment Law Center, which is based here, which we partner with to affect laws throughout the country. We have our own foundation, Gun Owners Foundation, Gun Owners of America, where we file lawsuits and amicus briefs. Um, We lobby here in California. Gun Owners of America lobbies in all 49 other states and... and, um, all of the other groups. People say, well, if I'm giving my money to one group, I'm I'm tilting the scale. Senator Richardson said, if you are involved, you are not making the slices of the pie smaller. You're actually growing the pie. In which case, working with other organizations in a manner that makes sense to move forward. Now, we have one criteria. We work with folks who believe only in no compromise. There are some groups out there that have, they said, you know, background checks the way we have them right now are okay, or, or gun show loopholes we gotta get rid of. And, and um, we say, well, God bless you and you go do what you wanna do, but we are pure in our defense of the Second Amendment. We believe the words that were written by our founding fathers. Should not be. We believe what all of the colonies ratified in 1791 in the Bill of Rights. 
in the purest sense. We believe what the Supreme Court has said, that the right to keep and bear arms is an individual right, and that we have the right to defend ourselves in our homes, in our businesses, in our travels, in our state, and in our country, from all enemies, foreign and domestic. If you buy into that, we welcome you. People can come to Gun Owners of California at gunownersca.com. They can Google Gun Owners of California. They can Google Sam Paredes, mm -hmm. and, and they will be led to our website so that they can be a part of that fight. This is, we're offering an opportunity for people who are sitting on the couch and watching. You can sit on the couch and watch, and by merely contributing to the process, whether you continue to sit on the couch, you are now standing shoulder to shoulder with us in the fight to restore and protect the Second Amendment. So that's what we do. We've been doing it since 1975. I've been doing it since 1980. You know, I, I joke with people, yeah, I started doing it when I got out of kindergarten. I'm a lot older <laughs> than that. Um, but um, the fight is exciting right now. Yeah, there's a and, lot going on. Yeah. Now cheers to that. Cheers to all the hard work you guys are doing. Well, thank um, you. We'll put a link to all that so people watching want to help contribute to gun owners. If people have questions about suicide, we'll link all the kind of organizations that we've mentioned in here. Um, first time ever, I want to speak to the camera during this show. Please. Um, so if you're a veteran out there and you're thinking about suicide as being an option, just know the VA has implemented a new process and you can literally go into any hospital you're suffering from depression, anxiety, PTSD, or anything that makes you think that suicide is the answer, I want to sit here as a veteran, a brother, to tell you it's not. The ripple effect is massive. Um, reach out for help. If you can't drive yourself, get a ride to a hospital. The VA is constantly setting up things to get you set up into a program to help you get treatment to fight that. I appreciate all the organizations you said out there that are actually getting funding from gun owners to help educate people and give them resources for suicide prevention and that you're out there fighting a fight that many people think that is being handled but they don't understand that you know it takes it kind of takes money it's like it's like the coal to our train it takes money to get it going it takes money to keep it going so thank you and thank you for the whiskey you brought for us i, I want to say one thing first of all if you are a veteran and, and, and you are troubled, I want to tell you that you are loved by millions and millions of Americans for the sacrifices that you have made. And whatever troubles you have, first you have our prayers, and secondly, you have our love. So please reach out for help if you are in crisis. And to all of you who want to be a part of protecting our veterans, protecting our lawful citizens, we invite you to be a part of the fight. You know, Brian, this show is, this program, this effort that you guys are launching is so important. We tend to be the I'm the ground forces, but you are the light. 
you are the one that is spreading the information to people who need to hear this message. And we are so grateful for you, to you, to what you are doing. And folks out there, I want you to spread this message to all of your friends. Everybody has to like, subscribe, do all of the things. You know, I have a lot of friends that are YouTube influencers. A lot of them do a great job. But you need to direct people to this program and this message, not only because we are fighting, they are fighting for your rights, but it's a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, how can you beat scotch, whiskey, beer, guns, kayaks, uh, e-bikes? Yeah, we're a subset of the Gear and Beer Show. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a, an amazing, an amazing thing. So I, I personally and uh, both personally and professionally want to thank you for, for what you guys are doing because, um, you know, we can only reach so far. Yeah. We need the light out there spreading the word and you guys have got a huge megaphone and um we are in your debt we are in partnership with you and we, we we love what you do and we'll support you and you guys need to support this program and the effort of of uh, uh the activities that are being generated here because you're doing the lord's work well, thank you on behalf of myself and and Justin, the two, kind of came up with these crazy ideas. That means a lot. Thank you. We want to just bring guys like you on to get the word out. And if, if we have to be the that avenue, we'll gladly take that. Because, like you said, having Scotch, talking to somebody that we love, and then getting and testing gear later on, I mean, who can complain about that? So, thanks, Sam. Thanks for being here. Appreciate the whiskey you brought. Cheers to you. Cheers again. Cheers. Thank you. God bless you.